Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Beadle. And glad you guys can be with me here on this Friday. Let's go with the music play. It just felt right. On a day like today, I'm just going to let the music play. It just kind of it kind of works for me today. I feel good today. I hope you guys feel good as well. I told Nick before the show got underway, so if there's something about those Thursday night games that gets you into a Friday, and it, it's such a tease. Because I feel like I want to just hit the ground running, and I want to just give you so many football thoughts off of a preseason game number one. But it still is a preseason game number one. So unless you wanted five hours of Dewan Jones' conversation and me just talking about how great he seemed, I don't know that we're going to have to go have to go down that road. We will talk about the kicking situation. We'll talk about wide receivers. We got a bunch to get into within the game itself. But honestly, it's been twelve hours. Since I last even went down the idea of talking as much as we possibly could about this game and listening to the morning show, go over the kicking competition and everything that transpires from it. And it's a real story. There's no mistake about that. But uh, we got a lot to get into tonight. We're going to have to react to a Guardians game. Guardians sold out the game tonight. I was walking in and I got a seven minute walk from where I park into the radio station. And typically in those seven minutes, what I end up seeing is a bunch of fans of other teams. Like when the Braves are in town, it's like, oh, a bunch of Braves fans. million Braves fans, right? Uh, Chipper Jones jerseys, as far as the eye could see. And then you turn around and you're like, oh, okay, the Phillies are in town. Wow, Bryce Harper really has a lot of fans here, doesn't he? And walking to the studio, Chicago's as close as it gets. Not a single White Sox fan. That franchise is beaten down right now. But the Guardians managed to sell out. It's a lot of conversation, especially with that Phillies weekend, about the idea that when you have some of these opposing teams and some of these opposing teams that you barely play, you get a lot of the other fan bases. We see Chicago all the time, 13 times a year, but still not a ton of White Sox fans, not a ton of uh, old you know, Frank Thomas jerseys or anything like that floating around. And I, I, I got to tell you, I think it really is the idea that a lot of people are still invested into going these games, even if the Guardians and the product in the field isn't necessarily the greatest. And we've kind of turned the corner into football season. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on the Guardians tonight. We're going to talk about it when the game ends the way that we always do. The Josh Naylor news was a kick to the chandelier, but we'll get over it. Where I want to start with you guys, though, is beyond the preseason game number one, beyond the Guardians, and beyond anything else. This deals with the Browns, but more importantly, it's one of the bigger football stories that I think if if everyone had national shows tomorrow, and I do, you can listen to me, CBS Sports Radio, 5 to 10 tomorrow night. It'll be aired right here, and I'm sure I'll talk about this very subject as well. If everyone, like the Dan Patricks of the world, the Amy Lawrences of the world, all these other people, I know I just grouped Amy Lawrence with Dan Patrick, but I was on her show earlier uh, late last night, and so she's just fresh in my mind as far as national people are concerned. Those people that have to curate topics daily on a national level would be all involved with this conversation. But I think Browns fans should be just as involved because it impacts us just as it impacts just about any other team outside of Cincinnati. 
So Jamar Chase was on the NFL Network, and he's being interviewed, and he's being asked about uh, what exactly is going on with the latest with Joe Burrow's injury. Joe Burrow, as we know right now, is not on the practice field. I've said before, if I'm Joe Burrow, I don't practice another down in the preseason unless it comes with the fact that they gave me $400 million, and a lot of that was guaranteed money. I just stay away completely. I'll see you week one. That's what I would do if I was Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase wants to take it to a new extreme. Here we go. Do you have any doubt that he'll be there week one? Um, I told him. To, I told him, and with all honesty, I don't want him there. You, you don't want him to play week I, one. Same thing with me and mom um, last you want year. Week twenty. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Game. You know what I'm saying? And I set out an extra game just to let my hip all the way heal up. And you know, you don't want to cause no other problems later on in the season. And I told him, as long as you're there after week five and on, you know, we're good, brother. Are what did he say big, to that? I'm sorry. But, what did, did he did he respond to that? I mean, he just told me, you know, he's going to see how he feels when the time comes. You know, he he doesn't know when he'll be back, but you know, he'll be back soon. And you know, what time will do? Okay, Jamar Chase missing an extra game because he wanted to make sure his hip was fine is way different than Joe Burrow missing five games to try to make sure that he's feeling okay. Easing into the season and treating it like you're at a day spa is not really the urgency that I've been pressing within the AFC North. And here's why I think the comments got to me a little bit more than maybe they should have. I can't sit around and tell you guys that the AFC North is one of the toughest divisions in sports and the toughest division we have in football, and then tell you it's all right that Jamar Chase wants to take the first five weeks off for Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah, Trevor Simeon, we can get this done. We can make this work. Doesn't matter. Listen, the confidence is there. But the ego and cockiness, I think, is overshadowing the amount of confidence that Jamar Chase is showing right there. Does he not understand what this division is? If I'm the Browns, I take this as more of a slap in the face than what happened last offseason when he started talking trash about Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and everybody else on the Brown in the Brown secondary. Really, it was a shot at Newsom more than it was a, a shot at Ward. But I'm taking this one in a way where it's like, oh, they think they can just give off five weeks. But I almost want to encourage him to do it. Now, remember about a week and a half ago, we talked about Joe Burrow in week one and the possibility that he might not be there for week one. And I told you guys, I want Joe Burrow. You lose to Trevor Simeon, you lose to whoever that backup ends up being, that is so demoralizing to kick off the Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson era. You can't possibly have that. But if you beat Joe Burrow, I can make a legitimate argument. If you beat Joe Burrow, you start the season 3-0. and If you beat Joe Burrow in Week 1, that tells me you're going to beat the Steelers in Week 2, and you're going to easily take care of the Titans in Week 3, and then you're in a decent position after that. So maybe you go to the bye week and, and you take on the 49ers in, in your version of week five and you end up three and two. Maybe that's how that works. You lose to the Ravens as well, but the sky isn't falling. It's okay. Meanwhile, if you lost to the backup for the Bengals, that's doomsday. That is a, that is a five alarm fire. We are not messing with that. That is, that is as bad as it gets. And I think Browns fans know that Kevin Savansky needs a win in week one. But why I said I wanted Joe Burrow is if you beat the second-best quarterback in the game, arguably the second-best team in the entire conference, which really would mean you're the second-best team in the excuse me in the NFL because I don't think that highly of the NFC right now. I like the Eagles. I like the 49ers. But let's be honest. It is the juggernauts live in the AFC. Well, if that's the case, then you'd say, well, Jonathan, this news isn't good. 
you don't want this news. You're the one that said you wanted to make sure that we beat Joe Burrow. You're only gonna you have two shots at Joe Burrow. You have zero as of right now. You have zero shots at Patrick Mahomes. We're trying to figure out just how good this team is. And the second shot for Joe Burrow comes in Week 18, where if he plays a whole season, who knows? That might be a bye week for Cincinnati. They might not even get a chance to to actually play the Browns at full strength at any point this year, which would mean you go two and zero against the Bengals. Pretty nice as far as our AFC North record is concerned. But if you're telling me I can give up five games of Joe Burrow for the price of one, then okay, let's let's gamble. Let's do that. Five for one is not the same as one for one. When Joe Burrow was potentially missing just the first game of the season and then going to make his way back in week two, that was an entirely different conversation in my mind than if he were to miss the first five weeks. Because if he misses the first five weeks, the AFC North is 100% on the table for the Browns. I don't know what Trevor Simeon could do as far as the first five weeks of the season is concerned. It's not the toughest stretch. It's not, I mean, it's not the hardest schedule anyone's ever seen. It really isn't, but it's not easy. You go Browns into the Ravens, tough, tough, into a Rams team. Colin Collard loves the Rams this year. A lot of people, I've heard uh, other people absolutely throw them down. I'm more in the throw them down category, but I, I don't think they're, a hundred percent lost, but let's say that's easier than most games you'd face. And then that Titans team that I've already trashed into the Cardinals. There's a real chance Rams, Titans, Cardinals weeks three, four, and five is about as easy of a cakewalk as they're going to have. So let's say they start off with two wins, or excuse me, two losses, and then three wins. You go three and two over the five game stretch with Trevor Simeon. Maybe you lose one of those games. I don't know. Call it out. Rams, Titans, Cardinals, your pick, your dime, your dance for your pick. You start the season two and three. Two and three is the same thing they started last year. They had losses to the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Ravens through the first five weeks of the season. So I I understand what Jamar Chase is saying because they did it just last season. Now, last season was a little bit different. Last season, for whatever reason, Zach Taylor thought Joe Mixon was Walter Payton and decided to have Joe Mixon average 27 yards or 20 carries a game, 27 carries a game, excuse me, over the first several weeks of the year, and it just did not work out. And then the light bulb went off like, oh, I have the second best quarterback in the sport. Maybe I should use that quarterback. And then he did, and they were off to the races. But I don't think you can treat this year the same way as last year. Aaron Rodgers has now entered the AFC. All the young pups have gotten one year better. Trevor Lawrence took an ascension last year. Week 7 on was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Justin Herbert, we know what he can do. All of these players got one year better with one year older. And honestly, we've just added on to the idea that the AFC right now is the best quarterback play we've seen, in my estimation, in conference history. There's never been a better time for quarterback play in the AFC, which tells me as of right now, there's never been a harder time to be a really good team in football. It's the one thing that scares me about the Browns this upcoming season, because I love everything this Browns team has done. You got an elite offensive line. You have an elite corner, elite pass rusher, elite wide receiver, elite quarterback, elite running back. You, you basically have the foundation that I would want if I was constructing a really good roster. If I'm trying to construct, just just on the surface of it, I'm building a, a dream football team with salary cap limitations and everything. I am building it in a very similar fashion to what Andrew Berry has done. He's elite in the positions that matter the most, and he is well-rounded 
in some of the secondary positions that I care about as well. And then he's punted, for lack of a better term, than on so, and some of the other positions that maybe we've come to realize aren't as necessary for building up a big-time roster. You know, it's, it's the Eagles idea that linebacker doesn't matter as much as, let's say, pass rusher does or defensive line as a whole. There's certain things you can get away with a little bit more since you can't create all, you know, one to 53 as being great. The part I worry for this Browns team is that there's so many good quarterbacks and there's so many good teams in the AFC in particular that you're going to end up with Deshaun Watson being the 10th or 11th best quarterback and you're going to end up with eight, nine wins, whatever that ends up being. But because there's seven other quarterbacks in the AFC that were ranked higher than Deshaun Watson in Mike Sando's rankings. There were seven others. And the top five quarterbacks in that rankings all came from the AFC. The wiggle room for error is just completely evaporated, like a David Blaine trick. It's just gone. There, you just There's no room for error in the slightest bit. And it's incredible to me that Jamar Chase can speak so cocky about the whole entire scenario and situation, even though he's had a bunch of success, how he gets away with speaking this way. And what I believe to be is the toughest time to ever be a team in the AFC, mind-blowing, and not something I would advise. So I think this would be, if they want to ease into it, I think this would be good news for the Browns because it's not like Joe Burrow is seriously injured and is sitting around in a wheelchair and can't get up and can't do anything. No, no, no. This is him just saying, listen, I need to take it easy because I I care more about week 18 than I do week five. Okay, fine. Congratulations to us then because the Browns would be in a much better situation. But 216474 to below 92. Is this so cocky by the Bengals to the point that it's disrespectful to the Browns and disrespectful to the AFC North. We'll continue on with this. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. Do you have any doubt that he'll be there week one? Um, I told him. To, I told him that with all honesty, I don't want him there. You don't um, want man, him to play week I, one. Same thing with me and mom last you year. Week 20 for uh, his exactly, exactly. Game. You know what I'm saying? And I set out an extra game just to let my hip all the way heal up. And, you know, you don't want to cause no other problems later on in the season. You know, I told him, as long as you're there after week five and on, you know, we're good, brother. What, what did he say to that? I'm sorry. What the, did he did he respond to that? I mean, he just told me, you know, he's going to see how he feels when the time comes. You know, he, he doesn't know when he'll be back, but, you know, he'll be back soon. And, you know, what time will do? Jamar Chase right there on the NFL Network talking with Andrew Siciliano. I wonder what would happen if I texted our buddy James Rapine and asked him for a percentage chance on Joe Burrow not playing week one. I wonder what he, I don't even know that he'd give me a real number. He probably might just laugh emoji and then, I don't know, switch and we'd talk about Taylor Swift or something like that. I'm not sure. Some reason our conversations always end up going back to Taylor Swift. I, I, I don't know why. And the man likes Taylor Swift. That's why. That's that's the answer to that. The man likes Taylor Swift. I don't mind having conversations with James about that. At one point in time, I used to I used to text James every time I would see him on on the local TV station because it would pop up, right? If there's any, I have the company that uh, the moment you turn on your TV, it goes to their their news network. And I know you can make TVs where it can go onto whatever channel you want. I've just never taken the time to do that. And every now and then it would just pop up. It would be James Rapine just right there. And I would just, I'd take a photo, I'd send it off to him, and there we go. And I wonder if I texted him, I wonder what percentage he would say. Because for me, I'm still betting like 95% 
that Joe Burrow plays week one against the Browns. I just, I can't foresee this happening, but the amount of cockiness and the temerity attached to this with Jamar Chase is astounding to me. And, and Jamar Chase has had every reason in the world to be as cocky as he wants. Let's be honest about it. Back-to-back AFC title games, went to the Super Bowl two years ago. You can actually draw a real line and note when Cincinnati became what Cincinnati is. And it's not year one with Joe Burrow when he got injured. It starts year two when they decided to not take Panay Sewell and took Jamar Chase instead, linked up with the LSU connection, and then uh, made magic happen from that point forward. But it's not like this Bengals team, and maybe this speaks to what Jamar is getting at, it's not like this Bengals team has been a beacon of success in the regular season over the previous two years relative to some of their other counterparts. They've got one more win in the previous two years than the Minnesota Vikings do. I'll repeat it again. They've got one more win than Ned Flanders' Kirk Cousins in the previous two years. I bet that surprises a lot of you guys. They are sixth in the NFL as far as regular season wins. I'm not saying they don't ever win. They win. But in the past couple years, in the Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow era, they started two and three last year. They started three and two the year prior with an overtime week one win against the Ned Flanders of football and Kirk Cousins and that Vikings team. But they finished winning six out of their last eight two years ago. They won 10 out of their last 11 last year. This is a team that knows how to close. And I think that's what Jamar Chase is leaning into. But a couple weeks ago, I said, I want week one against Joe Burrow. I want week one against a hobbled Joe Burrow to build up the confidence for the Browns, especially since I know that this Bengals team starts week in week one. That was part of the the hook. Some people thought it was ridiculous that I was going down that road asking. And even myself, I'm like, maybe this is something I'm going to completely regret. Asking for week one, Burrow versus Watson. But if you started off the Deshaun Watson, Kevin Savansky era with a massive W like that, then I think it'd be a good sign for the season. But really the heart of it was the idea that I know that the Bengals historically start pretty slow to the year. Under Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, they're not one of these teams that gets out of the gate running. They're just not. They need to ease into the season. And that's, I think, what Jamar Chase is getting at. Ease into it. Let's not make this thing too tough. But I think it is incredibly cocky. But I want to hear from you. 216474 to below 92. Can the Browns turn this into motivation? And if Burrow's out for the first five games of the year, does that mean the AFC North is as wide open as we've seen it? Jim in Strongsville going to lead us off here on the fan. Hello, Jim. How dare you back off when you see me on hold? Back back off. (laughs) I did not. I didn't back off. Didn't back off in this place. I look, I don't think, I, do I think it's error? I look, it's a nothing burger. We were sitting here last year with the Browns when, well, if we can just be this and this, but when Deshaun Watson gets back, I mean, come on, that's just what people do. If they're 2-2 two and two going into week five and Burrow comes back, yeah, they'll be fine. I think the AFC, I think the North is already wide open. Look, the Bengals have been getting, I'm not saying they're not a good team, but they've gotten, and I think all good teams have to have some bounces go their way and have a little bit of luck to have this have a successful year and do well in the playoffs. And I think they've been really, really lucky these last couple of years. Let's not forget, they were a, they were a stupid fumble by a backup quarterback away from losing in the, losing to the Steelers last year. I mean, let's not throw all that away. I think the only team that can get away with just rolling the ball out and going is probably Kansas City doesn't need a whole bunch of luck to win a bunch of games. But other than that, everybody else is in the, the – there's no magic like Patrick Mahomes on the other team. So, yeah, look, they've had some lucky bounces. Things could fall – the bottom could fall out for them this year. You just don't know. 
it's the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. You never know when those games that you win by three or four go the other way because who knows? The ball just doesn't bounce your way. So, look, that, that's the way I'm looking at it. I don't see them as this that much better than any of the other teams in the North. And, but, again, until they, until they put them on – we won't know, but look, if Burrow's out for five games, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. It gotta be, especially how tough the AFC is. And thank you, Jim. I appreciate you as always. Good call. Especially if the AFC is as tough as we think it's going to be. Now, what I like about Jim's call is that it's, it's, I've said the quiet part out loud a few times this offseason. It sounds a little contradictory when I do it, but stay with me. I believe Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the sport. I genuinely do believe that as of right now, as of today. I think there's going to be quarterbacks that overtake him in that department. I think Trevor Lawrence one day will be better than Joe Burrow. I just, I believe in Trevor Lawrence. It is what it is. There are a couple quarterbacks I believe in. I also would say there's not a chance in hell Josh Allen will ever be better than Joe Burrow. Like, you see what I'm saying? There's, there's a certain beliefs I live within. Josh Allen has got more interceptions in the previous three years than any other quarterback in the NFL. That guy, never going to be better than Joe Burrow. But I do think that there's room for other quarterbacks to overtake Joe Burrow. And I think the difference between Mahomes and Burrow is about the same difference as what I believe the difference between Burrow and Josh Allen is. It's a Grand Canyon-sized leap, okay? What's fascinating, though, oh, I did this the other day. You guys aren't going to like it when I do this. If you like Joe Burrow, you're not going to like this. I think the difference between Joe Burrow and Jared Goff, for instance, is that Joe Burrow in third down conversions is a different animal, and Joe Burrow in fourth quarters is a different player than Jared Goff is. But if you take their side-by-side numbers from last year, they are basically identical as far as passer rating and as far as the aggregate total numbers are concerned. Jared Goff, just, just in the aggregate, Jared Goff was every bit the quarterback of Joe Burrow, just from a pure numbers standpoint. That doesn't mean he was as good as Joe Burrow. Again, Joe Burrow converted more third downs. Joe Burrow converted more big late game completions, big late game moments. He rose to the occasion more. But, and, and this is what I love about using numbers for my advantage is that if you just look strictly at the numbers, there's a, there's a Lions fan out there, I'm sure, that could legitimately try to make the case that Jared Goff was every bit the quarterback that Joe Burrow was last year. That's kind of how wonky the NFL is. He went from a bridge quarterback, potentially, to being somebody that is legitimately in that same conversation as far as passer rating and some of the other numbers that we look at and we care about is. But it's just to highlight the fact that I agree with Jim. I don't think Joe Burrow is Superman. I don't think he's immune to a bad season. I also don't think he's immune to taking a step back. Remember after they went to the Super Bowl? Oh, man, I'll never forget. They go to the Super Bowl, and then that following year, Mo Egger was on Ken and Anthony's show with Around the AFC North. I don't know why I remember this, but I remember this like the day is long. I, I can't remember stupid little things like to take my, my, uh, my little baby stroller out of the car when my wife asked me to today. Completely blanked on that one, but I can remember Mo Egger from a year ago at this time. And Mo was talking about how he thought the Bengals would be a good team, but they weren't going to go ahead and repeat what they did last year by any stretch. Well, they were within a field goal of repeating what they did last year. They are a late Kansas City Chiefs field goal in the AFC title game from going back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year. Like, There's a part of the Bengals, and their roadmap this last year was much different than their roadmap the first year to the Super Bowl. Top of the dome, 
the roadmap the first year to the Super Bowl was the Raiders, Titans, and that Titans game was when Tannehill got picked off three times through the interception on the very first uh, very first play, and then you had the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Last year, that road was a little bit easier. You know, last year, the highlight for them in the postseason before the AFC title game was watching Stephon Diggs cry on the sideline to Josh Allen as Josh Allen pretended he didn't exist when they were up 17 points, 27-10, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Again, don't know why I can't remember to take the stupid stroller out of the back of the car when my wife asked me to, but uh, football things stay in my brain like it's no big deal. The point is, is that there is a step back that could happen for Joe Burrow. I believe that. I don't think we're naming it the Burrow-Mahomes AFC Invitational, AFC Conference Game Invitational yet. I don't think we're there yet. But it's so tough, you can't miss five games. The cockiness from Jamar Chase to say you can miss five games and everything be all right, I just don't know where he gets off. It just does not add up to me. 216474 to below 92. Wayne in Cleveland, I'm next on the fan. Hello, Wayne. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Wayne, what's up, man? Yeah, you got it. Um, yeah, I just want to comment on what you're saying about um about who, you know, what quarterback we play against when um season opener. Don't matter who we play against, whether it's Joe Burrow or the backup. See, what you what you got to understand is you you taking the Browns for granted. We beat Cincinnati. We beat him five out of the last six times, Wayne. Exactly. So what you got to look at is as long as that, you know, the defense comes. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm worried about our defense, you know, with our new um, defensive coordinator. You know, if Swords take things happen, man, we're not going to have a problem beating him. Whether it's Joe Burrow or whoever, don't matter. Because you got to look at it. They're lying. They're almost lying. It's okay. It's not, it's not like ours. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, um, defensive line can uh, try to pressure on them, you know, make them get rid of the ball. So I, I, I don't – it don't matter who we play. That's what you got to understand. We got to quit taking them – I like the confidence, Wayne. Appreciate you as always. You always bring confidence. I like the confidence. The, the my, my contention is, though, if you could beat Joe Burrow as opposed to Trevor Simeon, if you beat Joe Burrow, well, then you really do believe you can beat anybody in the NFL. I mean, think about it. He said it right there. We beat the Bengals. We've beaten Cincinnati five out of the last six times. In the last three years, how many Browns fans have held on to that line of thinking and that line of thinking alone? Oh, we beat the Bengals. We can beat anybody. I mean, there were points of last year that was downright ugly and atrocious. But you know what happened on that Monday night Halloween game? We went in there and deep-pantsed Cincinnati. We, I, I mean, we legitimately, we just took their lunch money. There's no other way to put it. We were so much better than Cincinnati was that there was no, for the rest of the year. Didn't matter who we played. We just kept going back to the idea that we just kicked the Bengals ass in such a way that, that after the bye week, we got destroyed by the Dolphins, absolutely obliterated by Miami. We lost to the Bills and we were still like, bring on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers because we beat, we beat Cincinnati and then we beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But like, think about how far that took you. It's kind of wild if you think about it. But the dominance over Cincinnati has been something that this fan base has been hanging on to because we know how good Joe Burrow is and we know how important that is. We can't beat Kansas City because we don't play Kansas City twice a year. But you play Joe Burrow twice a year. 
it's kind of like how, you know, we have such confidence against the Bengals, but against the Ravens, because Lamar has had our number the entire time he's been in Baltimore, we're like, please let it be Tyler Huntley. Please give me anybody but Lamar. Same type of story. I did want to clear this up, by the way, because I know I'm going to get some tweets. And Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Some of you guys saying, but Jonathan, you're you're just doing that sports talk radio thing that sometimes people do where they just spout out all sorts of nonsense, and then we're supposed to take it as gospel. First off, you should know better. I don't ever do that. That's not a thing that I do. I, If I bring something to the table, typically it's because I have it right in front of me. And if I don't, it's because I just looked it up a couple days ago, and I'll get it right in front of me in an instant. Now, for some reason, I was having a hard time locating the 2022 passing stats on a whim because I kept clicking on 2023 because I went for the most recent year on Pro Football Reference, and that's 2023 because they updated their stuff like 24 hours ago. Whatever. In the point of Jared Goff versus Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is so much better for when he completes his passes and when he completes his first downs and the timing and no garbage stats, so to speak. But Joe Burrow had... 37 more passing yards than Jared Goff last year. He had six more touchdowns, but he also had five more interceptions. So I feel like that might be a little bit of a wash in that department. Jared Goff had five more first downs. Jared Goff had higher yards per attempt. And then as far as passer rating, the aggregate is concerned. Jared Goff was within one point, one and a half points of Joe Burrow, 100.8 to 99.3. And then Jared Goff had a higher QBR. From a statistical standpoint, the two were basically neck and neck. And I, I don't think many people even considered that thought. 216474 to below 92. News of the hour that we're talking about in the NFL network within the past couple hours. Jamar Chase told Joe Burrow he doesn't want him there for week one against the Browns. Doesn't want him there for the first five weeks of the season. Does this mean the AFC North is now up for grabs? 216474 to below 92, or has it already been up for grabs? It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on the fan. All righty, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. We'll get to the kicking competition coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, we're talking about Jamar Chase's comments on Joe Burrow, saying he doesn't want him there for week one against the Browns. Doesn't want him there for the first five weeks of the season. I think this is really good news for the Browns. I think, And I think you can openly talk about it being good news for the Browns. I don't think you have to feel bad about it. If he's going to ease into it, like it's a lazy river, that's how he wants to treat the season, okay, fine. Then I, I can treat it the exactly, exactly the same way then. You know, Jamar Chase, on the clip we played from the NFL Network, talked about how he missed an extra game for his hip injury last year just because... Thought he needed it. Well, didn't necessarily need it, but thought it'd be nice. Thought it'd be good for him to be 100% and ready to go when the team needed it more. And if it meant, if that meant that they got killed for one game because Jamar Chase wasn't on the field, then so be it. It's like, all right, hey, if that's your approach, fine. I'm looking around the AFC, though, and I just don't see it being that easy. I don't see this year being that easy where you can go ahead and just throw away wins like it's days old Chinese food. It just it doesn't make sense to me. I'm treating wins like they're a premium. And I know that is such a tired NFL cliche, like every win matters. Every win comes at a hard cost. Save it. Save it. When when you're a team as good as the Bengals, every win is not equal. And, and wins do come easier than other wins. There's not a doubt in my mind on that. But 
It's playing with the idea that they're taking wins for granted. You can't just cough up the first five weeks of the season like it's a 162-game season. We play 17 of these things. Trevor Simeon isn't good. That man, your backup quarterback can't hold Joe Burrow's jockstrap when it comes to being able to, to throw a football. And you and I both know that. You think that's what it's going to come down to? So I, it's funny. I, again, I was on CBS Sports Radio last night. I'll be on there this weekend as well. Uh, catch me tomorrow night, Saturday, 5 to 10, right here on The Fan. We're going to 5 to 10 at night. We're going to air that all right here. So you can listen in. Please do. I always love when Cleveland people call in and I then have to talk up and, and, Tell the whole entire country how great Cleveland is. And then I get DMs from people being like, hey, you really got to cool it on talking about how great Cleveland is because this is our little secret. We don't want everyone to know. And I'm like, all right, sorry. It's like I broke the first rule of Fight Club. First rule of Fight Club, you don't talk about Fight Club. First rule of living in Cleveland, you don't tell other people how great it is to live in Cleveland because then they might want to actually live in Cleveland. And those out-of-town people are just going to ruin it for everyone. So, like, I get it. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be better. No more uh, Cleveland is better than Las Vegas in July takes that I've spat out before. Wow, you, you said that? Uh, oh, oh, okay, let me get distracted for a second. We'll get back to Joe Burrow, yeah. Okay. You, you being the lifelong Clevelander, you tell me where I'm wrong here, okay? In July, if you're doing a guy's trip, everyone does a guy's trip going to Vegas in July. That's just what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or go to Vegas anytime. But I've been to Vegas, to Vegas in more. July myself. It's yeah, experience. So... The weather is better in Cleveland. We have the following. We have all sorts of gambling and legalized gambling. We have horse tracks. We have slot machines. We have craps, blackjack. We also have legalized sports gambling as of right now. So we have all the gambling side of things taken care of. We have strip clubs the same way Vegas has strip clubs. Uh, Paul, stop. Red, red, red flag. Red but flag. I, I can't debate the, the merits of the strip clubs here, okay? I, I can't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road. Here, here. I'm as, just telling you we as, have them. As a man that is, uh, frequented throughout this, the city, uh, I wouldn't big up our strip clubs like that. We have them, okay? They exist, yes. They exist. <laughs> they exist, and I've driven by enough of them to know that you have options is all I'm getting at Not here. good options. We don't have Not to debate. Good options. We don't have to debate any, <laughs> any other part of that, okay? It's too early. Listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying the, the downtown casino is the Bellagio either, but we have it is the point. I'll give you the casino point. We have it. Continue. All right. Here's where the real winner, and cause something I can actually speak to, is the golf courses. So anytime I go to Vegas, I pay $300 a round. Most expensive golf courses I ever play is when I go to Vegas and I play golf courses. TPC Las Vegas cost me 275 Bally High cost me close to three bills. And it's just incredibly expensive. And that's not even including like the four caddy and everything else you had to put in the mix. Like incredibly expensive. Meanwhile, I'll play legitimate top 100 public courses in the country for $30. And that's an expensive day. So the golf courses, I think, matter. So all together. All together and, and we do have nightclubs and everything as well. We have nightclubs. We have day clubs. We have it all. Again, I'm not saying that they're on the same tier as far as. They exist. You're saying they exist. Present. If you want the debauchery of it all and don't really care about the, the level of debauchery, you just want to have the debauchery, which is really the main thing anyone really wants anyway, then Cleveland has all these options. And it's 25 degrees cooler. I would disagree with you on the weather because we could go like a three-week stretch where it's just, it feels like April through July. Um, 
The views in Vegas are beautiful. The views. The view. There's multiple what views. views. There are multiple views. Multiple John. views. Yeah. And I look over view. there, and there's a fake Eiffel Tower. No, okay, I, I'm just not only speaking about the fake Eiffel Tower. Right. The views of Vegas are beautiful, and I think the weather. I like the hot weather. Give me that hot desert sun. You're a unicorn. You're a one of one. You what? You'll take the 110 degrees over a never gets hotter than 92. Absolutely. That's insane to me. Anyway, I'm just stating that we have it. I'm just I'm just stating that we have it. That's all I'm stating. You want it? You can get in just as much trouble in July in Cleveland as you can in July in Las Vegas, and that's what I appreciate. But we're gonna bury that. We're not gonna go ahead and spread that to the masses because, uh, you know. I was rightfully told. We've got to keep this our little gem. We've got to keep this our little secret. Anyway, so I'll be on CBS Sports Radio tomorrow night. And one of the things I'm going to talk about is, is what I'm talking about with you guys right now. And I don't know how long I'm going to spend on it, mainly because, uh, although I do think it's impactful, I don't know that Joe Burrow is going to let himself miss five weeks of the season. I know what Jamar Chase told him. I don't know that Joe Burrow is going to let himself miss five games. But if the argument before was miss one game so you could avoid Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, Miles Garrett, I, you know, like it makes sense to me. Legitimately, it makes sense to me if Joe Burrow misses the first two weeks of the season. Think about it. You miss that, that crazy, awesome defensive line that the Browns have put together, including one of the best pass rushers in the game in Miles Garrett. You miss him for week one. I know it kind of sucks for your fans and your fan base that you're not there, out there for week one, but you miss week one. Browns then snipe off an easy W. We go our ways. There go They go their ways. They then take on the Ravens in week two while we take on the Steelers. They miss week two against Baltimore as well because that's never an easy putt. Baltimore's defenses are always good. This year's going to be no exception to that. And then week three, they take on the Rams, into the Titans, into the Cardinals. It's about as easy of a three-week stretch as anyone in the AFC North is going to be offered up this year. Joe Burrow comes back in week three. Joe Burrow starts off the season three and zero, and he can play around a little bit because you can play around a little bit, almost like a like a cat toying with a mouse or a mouse toying with a cat, whichever way you want to look at it, and you can get the job done. I think that's got to be what they're looking at. But the AFC North, if he misses the first five games, it is incredibly wide open. And this is what I was talking about on CBS Sports Radio before I got derailed a little bit there. Last night I mentioned how you ever see those those videos on on TikTok of the animals where they have the the different like it could be a beach ball, it could be a, a plastic ball, it could be a basketball, and they're at the top of the staircase and they just have to like they just bop it. It's usually a dog. Sometimes it's a cat. And they just kind of like bop it either with their nose or they stick out their arm and try to like swat at it basically. And they and the the, the ball then goes into a trash can or a can at the bottom of the stairs and it chooses games. Gamblers are doing this. So maybe I'm just in like gambler TikTok world where it's like, uh, "Hey, what did the dog decide between the Ravens and the Browns?" Don likes the Browns because this stupid beach ball landed from the top of the stairs all the way down to the bottom in this trash can. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure the visual and the imagery, you got it down, right? That dog that is in charge of that and making picks has just as much of an opportunity of getting the AFC North correct as I do. Legitimately, that's how wide open the AFC North will be if Joe Burrow misses the first five weeks of the season. Because you could put it in any order. You could put the Browns number one, into the Steelers number two, into the Bengals number three, into the Ravens number four. You could inverse that, and it could all be just the same 
legitimately, I don't know that there's another division in football right now that you could just as easily have a team go number one in the division as they could go number four. If you told me the Ravens win the AFC North, I don't blink twice. If you told me the Ravens end up in last in the AFC North, I don't blink twice. Same thing with the Browns. As much as I love this Browns team, I could call it a million different ways with this Browns team. They could win the AFC North as easily as they could fall flat on their face and end up dead last. It's just how it is right now. So, yeah, I think if Jamar Chase tells Joe Burrow miss the first five weeks of the season, Joe Burrow misses those five weeks. I think the Browns are on, as they say in Kingpin, you're on you're on a, a gravy train with biscuit wheels. Thank you, Bill Murray. Like it's just it's right there for you. So I, I want to see the Browns end up finishing the job, not only week one, but it also then what would end up happening where you could build up a little bit of a lead in my estimation in the AFC North out of the gate. Bengals would have to play catch up. Now they do it very well. Last year they finished out the season winning ten out of the last eleven. They were on fire. Because there's something that clicked within that offense, and really that defense as well. But something in that offense, once Joe Burrow gets into a season, and about week six or week seven, just just right when everyone starts to want to count them out, last year starting off two and three, and then they flip some sort of switch and they just go. I promise you, if Joe Burrow is healthy, we might even see the first five weeks of the season, if they didn't have such an easy week three, four, or five, where we'd be having some of the same conversations. Realistic chance. Bengals start off the season 0-2. Hey, guys, you can now follow the Cleveland sports scene chapter by chapter on the Odyssey app. Just click on each of our local shows to see the topics that we cover and click on the chapter you want to hear. Also, remember to follow 92.3 The Fan on the Odyssey app to get any breaking news pushed right to your smartphone. We come on back. Should there be added competition at Kicker? Have you seen enough from Cade York after the miss yesterday where you say we got to bring somebody in because he's just not reliable enough? Or is everyone overreacting? 216474 to 092. Your phone calls, your tweets, we'll do it all next. It's overtime with Jonathan Pito and here with you on the fan.